Pines in the pines where the sun never shines. You'll shiver when the cold wind blows. There's a grave in the pines where the sun never shines. There's a grave that's shaded with the pines. On the Slay Queens podcast, we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. This isn't just a cheesy catchphrase. It is a note to remember that the topics we discuss can be very graphic and lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was purposefully trying to not have another incident like last week. <laughs> Don't remind me. I could not. And I did listen to it. You guys could not. Everybody could not hear how. I'm glad they couldn't hear how like bad I was just dying. It was not. It was way more embarrassing in person than it was. <laughs> I'm glad that it was embarrassing for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, let's not show. Don't make yeah. this about you right now. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I I was mortified listening was... to it again. But <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> but the feedback that I got from most people was uh, that it was cute. Yeah. It was funny. Indeed. And and it humanized us. And Lord knows we need a little bit of that, That's right? Very fair. Mm-hmm. So welcome back, everybody. To all you uh, queens, kings, and folks to the Slay Queens podcast. The Slay Queens podcast. Yes, ma'am. And (laughs) most importantly, welcome back, Ashley. Welcome back, Wayne. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. uh, We have a lot to talk about today. We do. So shall we dive right into, first and foremost, the Rainbow Star? Do, 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 do. Rainbow (laughs) Star. I love it. I think you're off to a great start. All right. This is our rainbow star. uh, S-T-A-R. Shout outs. uh, Thank yous, acknowledgements or announcements and recommendations. Uh, Would you like me to start? Yes, go okay. ahead. All right, cool. Uh, we, of course, want to shout out Paige from Reverie True Crime Podcast for recommending us to the masses nearly every day on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much, Paige. And please, kings, queens, folks, uh, check out her show and send her some love. I've been listening to Paige this week myself, and she does a, a really fantastic job. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, One Woman's Opinion Podcast. Thank you for rec- recommending us on Twitter. Uh, Oklahomicide. Or Oklahoma side. It's it's spelled so it's a combination that, okay. of those two. It's a combination of those two words. Uh, podcast. Uh, thank you for featuring us on your Sunday Funday list of podcast recommendations on Twitter. Uh, thank you, Jules from True Crimes Podcast and Missing Persons, for including us on uh, your hashtag Saturday Vibes list of true crime podcast recommendations. And uh, thank you so much to our friend or shout out because we're on shout outs, not thank yous yet. <laughs> shout out to our friend Ariella over at Murder Murder News for featuring us um, on her Follow Friday list of true crime podcasts. And uh, please check out Ariel's work and, and her show and oh, give wonderful. her some love. She's yes. absolutely amazing. Love her. We really, really enjoyed uh, the time that we spent uh, just kind of doing a Q&A yes, uh, a with her for their show. All right. Uh, thank yous. Uh, I would like to thank Ms. Julie for the five-star rate and review that she left us on Apple. So, Thank you so much for that. Uh, We would like to thank PhD, local drag queen, podcast host, and all-around badass uh, for the love that she's thrown our way, both on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Also, please check out her podcast, which is called Midwest Drag 101, and show them some love. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) And um, also, thank you. If I've not mentioned it before, uh, I hope that I did, but if I didn't, I want to say thank you to Olivia B on Instagram, a.k.a live underscore be love for your assistance a while back helping me locate the episode of and that's why we drink where we were given a shout out by host christine uh she went above and beyond uh and figured out which episode that was so that i could listen to it and i could feature it on our social medias and give them a proper thank you so thank you for helping me do that she probably spent a good hour just doing it yeah just doing it of her own volition so if i have not thanked you prior to today Thank you so much for that. And as always, uh, thank you to our friend Chloe on Instagram for the constant <laughs> love yes. uh, and loyal fanship. Absolutely. All right. Um, how about some announcements, Ashley? We have an exciting one today. We have announcements. We do have announcements. So we were doing a drawing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We want to invite someone, someone out in the queendom to come and be a slay queen for a day. A slay. It's so, st- <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. Amazing. You can say it. It's so stupid. So I love it though. It's so silly is what I was going to yeah. say. Not stupid. I think it's yeah, cute. Well, I think it's right. cute. Um, and we have chosen. We have chosen. Person. This goes out to her name on Instagram is Amy Cheer CV. So Amy. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yay. And we can't wait to meet you. We can't wait to meet you. You're going to be an honorary slate queen for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be reaching out to Amy, uh, specifically, uh, probably on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to discuss the details. Mm-hmm. So more to come on that. But yay. But yay. Congratulations, Amy. And thank you. And thank you. Thank yes. you so much. Thank um, you. And I also want to say the post that you uh, that you posted of us. I don't think that you're weird for being into true crime. Mm-hmm. At least not to us. So not to us. No, you are one of the tribe. Exactly. One of our people. So <laughs> thank you uh, for your support. Thank you for being a true crime lover. And thank you for not being a weirdo because we think it's perfectly normal. We do. <laughs> All right. I also, also want to make one acknowledgement. Um, I want to acknowledge that when I was listening back to last week's episode, I noticed that when explaining that a proper autopsy had not been performed on what the authorities were or what the, who the authorities believed to be the body of William McDonald. When I was talking about the Sydney mutilator case. Sure. Yeah. 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 I said that the body was too decompensated. I, you know, what's funny is I was listening to it (laughs) and here's the thing is I was going to make that an acknowledgement for me, but I'm like, how bitchy would it sound if I'm like, I'm going to correct you for an acknowledgement. I just thought it was like, I'm like, oh man, I know what he meant to say. (laughs) I of course meant to say decomposed. Yes. Um, I, I had to, I have something about that episode too. It was just a slip of the tongue. Um, but I actually (laughs) use the term decompensated a lot. It's something that rolls off of my tongue a little bit more naturally because I work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. I often work uh, with patients who are critically ill or injured. And oftentimes when I'm describing something that happened to them, I'm like, well, the patient decompensated. Yeah. Um, And I just didn't realize at the time Mm -hmm. what I had done, but listening to it back, I was like, whoops. Yeah. I I need people to know that I understand the difference between those two things. Sure. Uh, And you had something you said. Oh, it was just like a funny little thing when I was listening to it. And it reminded me... That when you said it, I, it, it like hit, it was something that made me think, okay, so on the last episode, you mentioned something about how they would go to the domain baths Mm -hmm. as like a place to like meet and do whatever. Yeah. You ruined something for me because in Austin, Texas, there's like one of the really cool little areas to hang out Mm is called the domain. Okay. (laughs) So now that's. All I'm going to think of when I think of going to the domain, like immediately going to associate those two things. Uh Uh-huh. And it's even better that like one of my best friends lives right by there. So it's just going to constantly be on my mind. But thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) I'll accept responsibility, even though I really think we should be blaming William McDonald. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But I'll accept some responsibility (laughs) since I did bring it into your life. Uh, It just makes me laugh. All right. Do you have any recommendations? I have a couple. Uh, the only thing, we have been watching, you know, American Horror Story again. It is becoming fall, so as soon as September hits, I'm like, we gotta, gotta watch some of that. We gotta scare the shit out of mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. However, the one I do, the show I do want to recommend is The Politician on Netflix. Absolutely adore, oh my gosh, his name. Ben totally Platt. Just, yes, absolutely I adore him. I love Ben Platt so much. I don't know how I don't know more about him. I was just so, like, I heard that voice and was like, okay, Googlebot, like, what do you have? Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away that I had no clue, like, who this kid was. And he's amazing. Um, it's just, it's it's satirical, it's dramatic, it's funny, it's just very well done. And there's only two seasons that I blew through so fast. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is in kind of the very beginning when I think he's interviewing for Harvard. And he's kind of just giving these very political answers. And... Uh, the man interviewing him says, you know, are basically to the effect of like, are you just giving me answers you think I want to hear? Or are these like, is this actually how you feel? Mm -hmm. And his response is, does it matter? Ooh. Because his whole life, all he's wanted to do is be president. Like that's literally his goal. He does everything all the best presidents did. It's almost neurotic how much this kid's paying attention. And that's kind of what he's getting from 
well, being a politician, which is so, it was, it just struck me. If you're still getting the same result, what does the motivation behind it matter? Exactly. Right? Okay. That's very mm-hmm. pensive. Um, and since we're on the subject of Ben Platt, uh, I also love and adore him. He, I believe he's so cute. He's so cute. Uh, and he's an openly gay man, very out and proud, um, very successful in musical theater. I think he originated the role, uh, in Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my absolute favorite things that he does, I I have it on at least two playlists that are on my phone right now, uh, primarily Broadway themed, but two <laughs> playlists is um, Waving Through the uh, Waving Through Window, uh, which is a song from the soundtrack uh-huh. of Dear Evan Hansen. And uh, love it, love it, love it. It's a very empowering song. And also um, Hunter, Hunter Schwartz, uh-huh. uh, the boyfriend, he has made me watch um, the Tony Awards performance of Ben Platt doing that song live. Oh, I'm sure that's and, to die. Well, it's really good, but the thing that's impressive about it is that he, I guess, was like violently ill with the flu at that time, really? but said that he refused to miss out on performing at I the mean, Tony's. that's a huge so, deal. So, yeah, if you look it up, it's available Snaps. on YouTube. Um, if you listen to it, it is beautiful. It's maybe not his best vocal performance, but it's a very beautiful performance, mm-hmm. and he's really sick he's deathly ill so i mean if it's beautiful and he's still that sick i mean you just have to get i mean obviously his his vocal prowess is not the the focus of this show however you do get to see it and that was the moment where i was like who the fuck is this guy (laughs) (laughs) how do i not know who this person is and i still want to slap myself into next tuesday but yeah he's amazing and and he does such a he's a great actor he does such a good job everyone in this show there are some very well-known actors there are some not jessica lang's in it right Mm -hmm. yeah i love her yeah it's a great yeah it's great you brought great, it back great, around great. to American Pie story. I know. <laughs> I Even though it was this, I've been watching the season with Lady Gaga, yeah. but she makes that show. She does. She did a really fantastic job. And uh, I just wanted to recommend a couple of podcasts that I enjoyed listening to this week that were kind of newer for me. Um, I don't think I've mentioned either of these mm-hmm. on this platform before. Uh, one of them is called The Missing, which is a true crime missing persons podcast. Hope uh, hosted by a young lady named Savannah and also Queers for Fears podcast, uh, which is hosted by uh, Abby and Ellie, who are, quote, just two ladies chatting about creepy stuff. Uh, That's cute. Yeah, I like it is really that. cute. Uh, so please, folks, go out and uh, check out those podcasts, show them some support and show them some love. And, Definitely uh, will. That's all I've got right now. Should we take a break? We can take a Let's break. Let's take a quick break. Like, hi, everybody. I'm Pitney, and this is Amelia from the Bitchin' Boutique. We'd love to have you explore our wonderful world of weirdness with us. All delivered with our signature humor, sassiness, and dare I say, bitchiness, general fandom, Star Wars, Star Trek, fabulous furries, horror, Pitney's obsession with eating terrible foods, Amelia's penchant for real cooking, the worst person in the world who thinks it's stupid to brush your teeth. Verity Noslin, who once cried in a Kinko's because the wrong copier was used. Trisha von Lichtenstein, a woman with a less than wholesome relationship with her car. But wait, there's more. Like everyone, we have our more serious sides, and we share a healthy dose of what makes us tick and what is important to us. Queer issues, women's politics, alternative spiritualities. Stop on by for a visit. We're sure you'll want to stay. Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique, wherever the best podcasts are found. Okay, welcome back. Welcome again. back. Okay. <laughs> True. We did yeah, say that already. We did. We're back, 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 back again. Yes, there we go. There it is. There it is. All right, you're going to tell me a story, right? I am going to go foist this yes. week. I'm excited about this because I don't know this story. I didn't either until literally last week when I was like mm, debating, do I want to do something new? Do I want to go on like a list that I already have? This, oddly enough... I got from a list. I I randomly Google like different types of serial killers, mm-hmm. like just to see what's out there. Yeah. And this was on like the top the top ten like most attractive or sexiest serial killers there were out there. <laughs> like Ted Bundy was number two, and he- which I disagree with. <laughs> I do too. That's a whole conversation. Only that we Zac can Efron have. is Ted Bundy. That's fine. I, I- get that, and I. Un- <clears throat> Excuse me. I loved that they they used him because they wanted to like show how people were really attra- like how people perceive Ted Bundy exactly. to be this kind of attractive almost yeah, like because all of us are going to find him attractive. Icon, yeah. 
However, every single picture I've ever seen, no. every every video interview, every court document, everything like that, I'm yeah. like, ugh. Exactly. <laughs> Same. Ugh, he's, maybe it's just because of the arrogance. We just don't do well with that. Yeah, that's true. That is something that you and I definitely have in common. But the funny thing is, this guy is not attractive at all. And you'll see why he was on that list later in my story. Okay. Because if you look up a picture of him, like, right now, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> How? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. So, yes. Okay. So, I will uh, cite my sources, which I got some things from wikipedia.com. The a website called for, it, that is smhu.com.au, which is the Sydney Morning Herald. Okay. There was a lot of publications, actually, from... Australia about this story, which is interesting okay. because a lot of the ones that were in Japan were in Japanese. So, um, there was Murderpedia. I got some information on there and there was one YouTube video from the user Deadbug. The video is aggressive. I mean, it tells the story, but it is like, if you're going to watch, just know that <laughs> content warning, <laughs> it says like PG 13, but I'm like there, this is not PG 13 by any means. <laughs> it's a little bit much for okay. me. Um, Okay, so I'm going to be telling the story of Hiroshi Meiwa, who is also known as the suicide website killer or the psychosexual killer. He was born August 8th, 1968 in Osaka and was a Japanese serial killer, obviously, who lured his victims via the internet on Japan's widely publicized suicide websites and ultimately killed three people in 2005. Uh, Meu, Meuwa suffered from a paraphilic, I knew I was going to mess that up, a paraphilic psychosexual disorder in which translated into being unable to achieve sexual release in the absence of performing an act of strangulation. What? Yes. Yeah, so this guy literally got off on strangling. Okay. Like, no, I don't think there was ever any, like, actual penetration. Mm-hmm. There was always semen left over, okay. but never actually, like... I mean, I feel sex. like I've heard something like that in mm-hmm. the past, but I don't... Usually there's, like, sex involved, too, sex whether involved, it yeah. be while they're still alive or after they're deceased. It's, yeah. I've never really heard of, like, literally... And the way that some people would describe it was, like, they would describe what happened to the victims and be like, and then he came on their face and then walked away. And I'm like, okay, I'm not... Do- like, that's yeah. so extra. Yeah. That's so much. It's why would more you... more than what we need. Why do you, why do you talk yeah. like that? So, sorry, but that's what I, I... Like, that's where I'm like, okay, that video is a little bit much got it um in any case he would arrange suicide packs via the internet with three people he subsequently killed a 14 year old student a 25 year old woman and a 21 year old college student and it's interesting to me that there's not that many websites that talk about this but when they do they always refer to the two boys as students okay they're never referred to as boys or men okay it's just always students but I wonder if it's a cultural thing i think i feel like it yeah. has to be in a way, uh, and you'll see a little bit more of that later. Okay. Oops. Let's see. He would later claim that he developed his desire to kill in this manner as a result of having read a mystery novel as a child. All three victims were killed within the span of four months. So that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay, so these are these are all people that he made contact with or met for uh-huh. lack of a better term on suicide websites. So in theory, these were people who wanted to die, yes. but they didn't want to be the ones to actually commit whatever act was going to kill them. Well, is that, no. is that correct? Okay. Basically it was a false pretense of he would give them like, we're going to die together. Oh, yeah. a suicide pact. You yes. did say that. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I was it's just okay. Curious. It's Please okay. Continue. Cause it's, I, we've never heard this before. Okay. Like this, well, suicide websites apparently, and I talk a little bit about this later because it is suicide awareness month. So it kind of just worked out in that way, but oh, it's a you. huge thing in Japan. Apparently. Well, thank you for telling the story then. I didn't realize that. That's, that's my bad. No, no, you're, you're good. It di- I honestly didn't even do it on purpose. I just kind of, it dawned on me and I was like, wow, this is a, the perfect time to shed light on how big this is. Like, it's basically like what MySpace is. Like, it's huge. It's oh. basically like normal to just visit one of these sites, I suppose. But part of me wonders, is that just because of like overpopulation? So people just don't give a shit if pe- like kids are going off and killing themselves. Mm. I don't know. It's very intriguing. I didn't do that much research about it because it was just so, it's just so depressing. Like, it's just sad. 
But I want to sh- obviously bring up what it is to people because I didn't know about it. Yeah. So now we're going to kind of go and talk about his crimes before these crimes. In his adult life, Meiwa entered the Kanazawa Institute of Technology, where he later later asphyxiated his male friend. He then dropped out in 1988. So at this point, he's about 20 years old. I want to add in because we're Mm kind of like, there's not too much out there, but I want to kind of follow along. After that, in 1995, he was again arrested for asphyxiating a male associate. He settled out of court and was released, but he was fired. So that's two. Okay. Then in 2001, he was arrested for asphyxiating two women. He was sentenced to one year in prison with three years suspended sentence. Okay, so two men and then two women. Mm-hmm. So, and there was no, like, sex act that took place. This is all, like, his, for lack of a better term, <laughs> getting off yes. on the act of strangling people. Yep. So could we maybe suggest or theorize that he was an asexual person? That's kind of where I would have, what I was thinking wow. and how I kind of like fit into this yeah. because I don't, for all intents, I tried to look it up for all intents and purposes. He's never had sex, like actual yeah. physical, like. Yeah. And it's not like the, the body, the, uh-huh. the, the femininity, femininity or the masculinity uh-huh. that he's attracted to it's is this just, act of violence. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. Please continue it's i'm crazy. sorry and it gets, well it gets, no, no no and it gets even more like i don't want to say interesting because it really freaks me out but it's i've never heard this kind of thing before which i feel like i'm always pushing myself to do the most gross gruesome story i can find on accident but we have one more here in uh, about a year later in april 2002 he has fixated a junior high school boy mm-hmm. he was arrested and sentenced to one year and 10 months in prison which is interesting because he had that suspended sentence of three years. However, he just got put in for a year and 10 months for a high school boy, like mm. a junior high school boy. I'm sorry. So very young. So a little bit more about him that I just said is not interesting, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. So he admitted to police that he was attracted to anything damaged, you know, people with disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. And it is also reported that he admitted to a co-worker at one point that he was a fan of super handicapped pro wrestling, which is a Japanese-only sport. I do know that. This is a sport in which people with mental and physical disabilities are put into a ring and made to, made to fight gladiator style. So basically, like, to the death, almost. Are you kidding me? And, that it, like, death apparently did occur as a regular thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's does disgusting. occur. Yeah. He admitted to a friend. This is even more disgusting he admitted to a friend that same friend that when he watched this he had uncontrollable multi-orgasms okay i mean not surprising given what we already know about i mean yeah i guess they're like this is his other thing like his other thing is this is a super handicapped pro wrestling is his other like big turn on apparently it makes me wonder if he's like because as soon as you said uh, he's attracted to people with handicaps or people who are disabled in some fashion it honestly makes me wonder my mind immediately went to well is he attracted to these people because he knows he like physically can be dominant over them in some Could way be. yeah so. man that's not where i thought you were gonna go and i never thought this i never like considered this but yeah. i thought where you were gonna go was could he like be on the spectrum Ooh, yeah that could be another thing of Absolutely. like identifying with those people and being so or like both. frustrated with yourself that you don't feel normal quote unquote yeah that like you want to take your anger out on these other people who are you know yeah worse off than you in a way yeah you're not going to take your own life because you're too selfish <laughs> that's a very pensive statement Thank you. I love when you say that to me. I mean, that's why I try to use it as many times as I can. <laughs> uh, so the, the last thing I have kind of about just like, you know, the about him mm-hmm. is that he he'd also told the same friend that he would send letters to these competitors that were like you know, would win multi, you know, matches in a row. And when they didn't answer, he explained that he had a strong urge to end their lives. So basically, he would be like a super fan, and if they didn't respond back to him, he would like be like, "Well, I'm gonna kill you, and I really want to do it, so I'm gonna do it." Okay. 
<laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I you don't know? either. Yeah. I could sit and try to pick that apart all day, but this, it was just like, this story was so crazy to me because it's, it's hard to understand or like even try to grasp like what goes on in this person's mind and how it got there. Cause I did try to look up, you know, his childhood and all mm-hmm. of that kind of thing, but that's just, that's, you know, yeah. not even out there. That's not a chance. Try to determine or at least speculate whether or not it was nature versus nurture, but exactly. we don't have any of that information. Uh-huh. Got it. All right, so now we will talk about the victims, the three victims. And I'm not totally clear on, I think this is, I think I put them in the right chronological order. So in Tokyo, a runner discovered the body of a 14-year-old boy. I put boy because that's how I'm talking about him. He's not just a student, he is a boy. He was laying on a blanket, naked and half eaten by insects. He had been missing for three weeks, and his parents believed he had run away to commit suicide. Which, I want to pause there. What? So you just, like, are like, ah, uh, he probably just ran away to commit suicide, and no one was looking for him. A runner found him. Oh, my God. Culturally, is that normal? <laughs> I, cult- here, no. Not, I but, mean, I'm just saying in Japan, yeah. like, I'm just like, I, it didn't, I tried to look this up, too. I'm like, this kid doesn't even have a name. Um... That's so tragic and sad. You know, I couldn't yeah. even find a name. It really does make you, you wonder, uh, you'd brought up, oh, like kind of overpopulation and whatnot. Sure. Um, if that plays a part. And That's we're what not, I wondered. Yeah, we're not trying to be culturally insensitive. No, I say, have no idea. I'm just, or say I that wonder. people um, who live in that area don't love and respect the lives sure. of, of their family. Sure, or feel that way, yeah. Or feel that way. We're just, we, we just don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting to me because for all intents and purposes, nobody was looking for this kid. They just said his parents believed he ran away to commit suicide. Uh, he had been depressed about a girl in his class. He frequently visited suicide websites, but when his body was found strangled with semen on his face and his genitalia mutilated, they knew it was definitely not what they had anticipated, rather much worse, and it would only continue to get worse. So this is when his parents are like, oh, okay. He didn't do this to himself. Yeah, this is a bad, bad thing, and we need to like maybe make sure this doesn't happen again. Seems fucked up that... It took those details for them to determine it was a bad thing, but... I mean, there could be more to this story that I'm just not getting, but, like, from everything that I could find, that's kind of how it's piecing together. Okay. Uh, The next one, Haruko Ito, which took me a minute to find his name, too, uh, recently got poor grades and felt felt that he had shamed his family. On the website, the same suicide website, he and Mayua agreed to meet and commit suicide together. On the drive... Excuse me. Ito had second thoughts and decided he did not want to go through with it. He did want to stop to use the bathroom, but when they got when they got out of the car, Meiwa t- tied a rope around his neck and hung him while he masturbated and filmed it. Oh my god! I didn't want to say that, and I could think you could see why. Like yeah, I was debating, I like saw even your hesitation. like, blah, blah, blah. Ah. but I feel like it's important because that's part of his mo is. That's it. That's him. He derives like literal pleasure from the things that he's strangling. Yeah. Police found his body hanging from a tree, half eaten by insects with a suicide note in his pocket, along with the keychain of his favorite wrestler. So this guy, they kind of meshed together because he was also a fan of this super handicapped pro wrestling. And they kind of like, talk, he kind of like got on his good side by Mayua did by kind of talking about his favorite. And like, they knew that they had like this bond and you know, that kind of thing. So when, you know, Mayua put the suicide note in his pocket and you know, you kind of go back and see that he visits these websites. Okay. It's a natural conclusion exactly. that people are going to you know, make. Exactly. So this next one, I'm pretty sure he met her like before the other two just via the Internet, but they hadn't actually met in person is kind of what how it seemed. Okay. so he and Mewa had met a 25 year old woman, Michiko Namagato of the western city of Osaka. She was depressed about the loss of a recent relationship and was considering taking her own life. Mewa had found Namagato's name on the same suicide website 
he told her that his webcam was broken and he sent her his what he said was his most recent photo so if you look up this photo it's a very attractive like k-pop looking you know this guy. is textbook like catfish <laughs> exactly yeah. so that's where i say like he was under the sexiest uh, okay because to her like he was this sexy man and probably the other two also yeah. but they just kind of never made mention of that um so yeah any case where was it? Okay. He would go on to send at least 20 emails urging they die or commit suicide together. He suggested burning charcoal in a sealed car to kill themselves from carbon monoxide poisoning in a, a method that was recommended on the websites, which point <laughs> there's literally recommended methods, I suppose. I mean, I guess what else do you talk about on there? Yeah. I, I suppose. You know, like, that's just crazy. So, like, he, I guess he suggested this to the previous guy, too. And that's when he was like, oh, I don't really think I want to do this. And it happened anyway. Okay. So, for her, he suggested the same way. Uh, instead, when they kind of met up to do it, he would tie her up in a rented car and killed her by sealing her nose and mouth with his hands and bound her with a rope and strangled her to death. Oh, my God. He was quoted as saying, I wanted to watch a face in agony. So all I really have to say a little bit more about all of that is Maywa filmed all of the murders and even issued a ransom demand for the high school students return after killing him. So the second one, like he literally was trying to play like your kids kidnapped. That's even that's even more heinous. It's like you're going after the fact and trying to get more out of it. Yeah. And you're you're giving false hope to the loved ones mm-hmm. yeah that's just terrible. rip the band-aid off yeah absolutely Ugh. a court-ordered examination confirmed megawa did not suffer from any mental disorder and that he was mentally competent and he pled guilty to the charges in trial the prosecutors called him a lust murderer <laughs> so in the end on march 28th 2007 actually I want to mention this. He was arrested. I didn't write the year. I think it was 2005. He was arrested on his birthday, which was August 8th. And I was like, "Ah, of course I would notice that. Yeah. (laughs) I just (laughs) thought it was so interesting. Like, good. That's happy birthday. Yeah. So in the end. Exactly. On March 28th, 2007, a district court in Osaka sentenced Mayuwa to die by hanging. His defense, which is just crazy. Isn't that satisfying? But that like, it's very satisfying. It's very Game of Thrones, but yeah. like, we just don't do that here. Yeah. And it's, eye it's, for an eye. Yeah. Okay. Especially yeah. when it's considering what he did. Yeah, I can, I can totally get behind that. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying that I advocate like death penalty, right? But that when it's so obviously there in your face, like there is literally your DNA all over these bodies, and I often, and you admit to it. And you admit to it. And I often say the universe tends to unfold as it should. He committed his crimes the way that he committed his crimes and he paid for them. Essentially, the way that he should. The way that he should have. And yes. here's the thing too. You say like you're, so people ask me all the time, like, well, you, you, you are okay with having guns. Like you like having guns and all that. Are you like death penalty or not? And I'm like, I don't necessarily believe in the death penalty. However, if you can actually physically show me or like forensically show me what had happened had happened. Like there is no fucking doubt. Like there should be. Yeah. Then you should have done to you what happened, what you did to other people. I, I that's def- what I think. <laughs> I, I definitely, it's, it's difficult for me to make a blanket statement. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. I there do, are obviously circumstances. Yeah, I, I think circumstantially individual cases, uh, I might have different opinions. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Everybody's yeah. different. We always talk about looking at all the individual, like what, what do we already know about them? Mm-hmm. But in general, when it comes to these type of cases, there's no, what else does this guy deserve? You know, there's yeah. no rehabilitating this. Yeah. It's not going to change. Um, Yes. His defenses made an appeal, but he insisted that he would pay for his crime with death. So he retracted his accusation on July 5th, 2007. Osaka District Court presiding judge Kazu Mizushima. Mizushima said the crime was cruel, harsh, and outrageous. This was a crime aimed at fulfilling the accused's sexual desire. It is difficult for him to change these unusual characteristics. We cannot help but give the extreme penalty. Which is basically a nicer, less American way of saying he did what he did and there's no way it's going to change. 
because this is not like, how do you change that? Was kind of what I, you know, where I stood on that. He was executed in Osaka on July 28, 2009. And the only thing I really wanted to add to the end of this is that Japan has a has seen a widely reported like state of internet suicides with lonely people like forming packs online. They're 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 meeting strangers mm-hmm. to die with. Like that's it's 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 huge and it's it's mind blowing to me that I didn't know that and that no one's ever told me that that I've never heard this. Yeah, this is all very new information for me. Right. It says here at least 65 people have died in such packs since October. And this was, I guess, that must this article was like four months after that. Oh, Jesus. Usually by sealing the windows of cars and lighting antique charcoal burners for the carbon dioxide poisoning, like he suggested. Mm-hmm. So that's the main form. Japan has the highest suicide rate in the industrialized world with 24.1 suicides per 100,000 people each year, according to the World Health Organization. Wow. So I I have to wonder, and, and, and I don't know because... I have never spent time there. Oh, right. I'm born and bred uh, American. Not that I'm necessarily proud of that. It's right. just a fact. <laughs> right. Um, it is like, what it is. I wonder if, again, culturally, um, if they're not doing as much prevention of this, like, suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if I, I know, like, some cultures. Suicide and, hotlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of what. I was trying to, to, to get at in a, as politically correct a way as sure. I can, are they not prioritizing mental health as much as they should be? It's sort of like here we're spreading awareness via the internet and, and this, like the suicide hotline numbers and like people to reach out to. And we, t- we've been talking more about mental health in recent years than, than we have before. However, I feel like what's happening over in this country is that instead of providing a hotline or some help, it's like all they have is a suicide website to turn to. Like all they have is someone else to just urge them to do it rather than talk them off that ledge. The resource they have is not preventative. It's conducive Mm -hmm. to these feelings. I mean, and and the internet can tell all kinds of crazy stories. I mean, this is what I've gathered from my research and it just... I, it broke my heart because I had no idea. And it's just an insane statistics, what I looked up. I mean, I could go on all day, yeah, but I wanted sad. to, like, throw something out there so people maybe will get more interested in this and just be like, what the hell is going on over there? Well, and that's why we have this podcast. We're mm-hmm. telling the stories and we are uh, illustrating to people via facts um, these huge disparities in the way that some crimes are handled versus others. Mm-hmm. And I I want to say that this should not be the case. And I hope that people would <laughs> right. agree. I want to say that I think this is... For sure. Bullshit. Yeah. I like that our bullshit button sounds like even more American than we do. (laughs) (laughs) I always kind of thought he sounded a little bit like Buzz Lightyear. A little. Oh my gosh, he does. He does. Yeah. Oh, Tim Allen. Um, okay. Thank what you an that intense story. story. Why do I always do that? Next week, I promise. Maybe maybe it's a good thing, though. I don't know. I always have the most insane, ridiculous, it, hard for me to even say out loud stories. I think that's what people tune in for. And that's why I keep coming back. Oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I can't wait to hear your story. Though. All right. I mean, even uh, though I know a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. We'll take a break. All right. Let's take a break. Monsters. Oh my, I didn't see you there. You really spooked me. Just like my podcast, The Paranormal Burrito. We're a weekly podcast featuring a new guest every episode. So join us for fun and spooky stories. If you have a spooky story you'd like to share, email us at theparanormalburrito at gmail.com. The Paranormal Burrito, your true stories. We're we are back. back again, again, again. <laughs> we are. And, and I'm ready for your story. Yes. I'm kind of excited about this one. This uh, is a crazy story. This is a crazy story. And this was a story that I knew a little bit about in real time. 
And you did tell me that because yeah. we we've talked about this case before. And I will say this is one where I have researched. I've watched documentaries because when you brought it up to me a while ago, mm-hmm. I was surprised that I hadn't because cases during this time, I knew a lot about all of them. We've definitely shared like, yeah. stories. Yeah. But for this one, I'm like, why did I not? Well, this was kind of when I was developing my little like slay queen tendencies. Sure. So I, I definitely remember when this happened, but I feel like, and we've, we kind of talked about it a little bit like mm-hmm. off, uh, off the mic, sure. so to speak, yeah. about how we feel like it was portrayed a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to tell the story that way today. Mm-hmm. So everybody Just bear with I me. Said, I was excited to hear yeah. you tell the story in your words versus oh. what I've already heard. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm going to be a little elusive just for a minute. Uh, and then I think everybody will catch up uh, to where we are. But I'm going to call this starting out the death of Scott Amadur. Amadur. Amador. Let's do Amador. Amador. All right. Um, my sources were Esquire.com, Ranker.com, AJC.com, and The Washington Post. All right. So let's get started. Mm-hmm. On March 9th of 1995, a man named Jonathan Schmitz contacted 911 in Orion Township, Michigan to report, quote, I think I just shot a man. I'm just turning myself in. I just shot this guy, end quote. And when the dispatcher responded with, and I actually heard the tape, so I'm going to try and be emphatic the way that she was emphatic. The dispatcher responded, quote, okay. Yeah, I mean, it really was very like, (laughs) uh, what? (laughs) Why did you do that? Schmitz replied by saying, quote, because he played a very bad fucking thing on me. He took me on Jenny Jones, end quote. So dot, 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 dot. <laughs> anybody who is somewhat familiar with this story is probably caught up to the fact that this is a story of the Jenny Jones secret gay crush murder, a.k.a. the death of Scott Amador. All right. So responding to a gas station payphone near the scene of the crime, law enforcement found Schmitz sitting calmly in his car in the possession of a Mossberg 12 gauge shotgun. <laughs> Inside, yeah. Inside the victim's nearby residence, they discovered the body of Scott Amador, who had died of two apparent gunshot wounds to the chest. Schmitz was immediately taken into custody and a criminal investigation began. I think I didn't pay attention well enough. I didn't know what kind of gun it was. So, yeah, that's intense. I only actually found one reporting. Like, most of them say shotgun or, like, 12-gauge shotgun. Uh I only found one that specified it was a Mossberg, Uh which I don't necessarily understand that terminology. (laughs) I assume it's a specific brand. I don't know brands of shotguns, but, I mean, the fact that it is a shotgun, I guess I just didn't pay attention that that's what kind of gun it was. Yeah. All right. So, in true me storytelling fashion, like... Who the fuck are these guys, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All right. I like to hook you and then give you a little bit of information. <laughs> All right. So in 1995, Jonathan Schmitz was a 24-year-old restaurant worker in the village of Orion Township, which is located about 30 miles north of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, though Schmitz had allegedly suffered some physical and emotional abuse at the hands of a strict father, as well as diagnoses of depression and bipolar disorder, he was generally described by those who knew him as, quote, a sweet soul or a decent and gentle guy all right Uh. and at the time of his death scott amador was 32 years old and he was a former soldier in the united states military amador was an openly gay man and he was described as the type of person who would do anything for anybody And he reportedly had close, loving relationships with both his parents and his siblings. And, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, Mm -hmm. like, in the 90s for you to be. Especially, like, a former soldier. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You don't hear that that often. Yeah. And um, I think uh, there was, like, an interview with his parents that I saw specifically where they're like, we didn't care. You know, Scott was Scott. We just loved him. We appreciated it. And it was okay. He is Mm -hmm. who he is. Yeah. The two men became acquainted via a mutual friend by the name of Donna Riley. She, Schmitz, and Amador's brother all lived in the same apartment complex. On one particular day, Amador happened to be visiting his brother when he noticed Riley outside with Schmitz, who was doing some automotive work on her car. Amador approached to say hello, and the two were then introduced. Amador would later report that he was immediately attracted to how good Schmidt's little body looked in his half t-shirt, uh, but wasn't actually sure if the man was also gay. And 
I, I gotta say, maybe it's stereotypical, maybe it's very presumptuous of me as a gay man, but if I see any dude like be bobbing around in like a little half shirt, <laughs> shirt right. I'm immediately going to be like, well, I'm pretty sure that he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's fam. Mm-hmm. Hey fam. I mean, I've dated like bodybuilders in the past that I didn't see it at the time, but people that were around me like would look at their social media and be like, no game, no straight man behaves that way. (laughs) And not to say that all bodybuilders are gay. I'm just saying these in particular, sometimes I'd look and be like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's 2020 now. We understand. We understand that just because someone's not completely heterosexual doesn't mean that they're completely gay either yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we understand that we understand that um there's not necessarily one right answer Mm -mm. i've always said it's a sliding scale yeah for sure all right so uh he was attracted to jonathan and his little half t-shirt uh but he didn't want to say anything about it because he wasn't sure whether or not uh this person was also gay so he did not act on those feelings but instead decided to keep his crush a secret uh, a secret for that time, uh, for, for the time at being for now. at that time. Yes. All right. So the nineties were the heyday of shock TV when hosts would pull out all the stops to drive their guests to the edge of sanity in efforts to titillate their audiences. Remember like staying home from school and watching Jerry Springer. Yeah. <laughs> the Jenny Jones show was a daytime tabloid talk show that ran for 12 years between 1991 and 2003. Low ratings in the early seasons led the show to pivot to voyeuristic, exploitative content inspired by the successes of shows such as Jerry Uh Springer and Maury Povich. Uh, For example, Jenny Jones would bring in a woman who had slept with a married man and his wife, encouraging them to confront one another in front of her live studio audience. Uh, She'd surprise couples with paternity test results on the air, or she would have uh, spouses uh, and partners reveal affairs and break up with, you know, said partner or said spouse on uh, national television. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She'd bring in unruly teenagers who were in need of discipline. And again, dot, dot, dot. She gave people the opportunity to reveal same sex crushes on her show. Scott Amador was actually a fan of the Jenny Jones show, and he decided to take advantage of this opportunity to come clean about his attraction to Jonathan Schmitz. All right, so let's talk about the reveal. Ugh, it's, I mean, it's like, it's exciting, but it's terrible. It is. So on March 6th of 1995, when the cameras switched on, Jenny Jones opened the uh, recording of that day's show by posing the question, quote, now, which of these would you choose to reveal your secret crush on someone? A, would you write that person a letter? Question mark. B, would you tell that person in private in case he rejects you? Question mark. Or C, would you tell that person you're gay and you hope that he is too on national television? End quote. I remember that like I remember seeing that too and being like that is such a hook to get people to watch yeah Ugh. and I mean good knowing, marketing on your point but geez Louise knowing what we know now yeah. like hindsight knowing how the situation turned out it's really quite disgusting yeah yeah. Right. All right. So the Chicago soundstage exploded in delighted screams and claps from the audience. Jenny Jones then seamlessly rolled into the segment, which involves Scott Amador revealing his secret crush to Jonathan Schmitz. According to the producers, Schmitz had told was told that someone had brought him on the show to reveal a secret crush, but was not told whether that person was male or female. Reportedly, when asked, Schmitz stated that he hoped the crush uh, was a female, preferably either his ex-girlfriend or his ex-fiance. So those are the two people that he hoped that it was. Aw, it's actually kind of sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, but he had a feeling that it might be his friend, Donna Riley. And of course, mm-hmm. we have uh, we know how he knows Donna. She's the neighbor. She introduced him to Scott Amador. Yeah. So emerging from the backstage, backstage isolation room that he was in, uh, he did this at the time of the big reveal. Schmitz was met on stage by both Donna Riley, uh, who was actually in on the secret, and, of course, Steve Amador. Uh, it was then that the two men exchanged an awkward hug, and Amador was revealed to be the person in question. So, big yeah. reveal. 
drop the bomb. Uh, after being shown a video playback of Amador describing a fantasy that he had involving Schmitz, a hammock, whipped cream, strawberries, and champagne, he's forcibly smiled, laughed uncomfortably, and professed that though the crush was crush was flattering, he was completely heterosexual. Mm-hmm. The segment soon ended relatively unremarkably with no indication of what was to come just three short days later. It was so cringy, too. Like, I just felt bad for everyone in that situation. I really did as well. There, there was just obvious... Tension. Tension, discomfort, things did not go as they had been planned. And I honestly think that's why everything ended so quickly Uh uh, after that segment. All right. So let's talk about the note. Uh, It's somewhat unclear as to what happened after the show and before Jonathan Schmitz took Scott Amador's life. Uh, But the one prevailing theory is as follows. Schmitz, Amador, and Riley all returned home from Chicago to Orion Township. On his second night back in town, Schmitz went out drinking with some friends from work. Coming home that evening, a note had been left for him to read, uh, stating, quote, if you really want to get off, I'm the only one who has the right tool, end quote. The next morning, Schmitz withdrew just enough money from his bank account to purchase a 12-gauge shotgun with ammunition. He then drove to Amateur's residence and knocked on the door and then proceeded to confront the man regarding the explicit note that had been left at his home. Uh, When Amateur admitted to having written the note uh, and left it as a joke, an argument between the two men ensued. Schmitz then walked back to his car, returned to the doorway, forced his way inside and shot Amador twice in the chest, ending the man's life. And uh, as we already know, he then left the scene of the crime, drove to a nearby gas station, and used a payphone to call 911. Which, it's incredibly premeditated. Incredibly Because you literally showed up there, you left the gun in the car, probably thinking like, man, maybe just go talk to him, maybe I'll calm down. And then yeah. you, whatever happened inside didn't make it better, and then you were like, I'm just going to go grab that and do this. Like, very, very, very premeditated. Yeah, and... I couldn't substantiate this with kind of more than one publication, so I didn't want to report it as fact, but I did read in one article that he was calculated enough to say to Scott Amador, I left my car running, I'm going to go turn it off, went and sat in his vehicle for a few minutes, literally thinking Thought about it, thinking about what his next steps were going to be, mm-hmm. and then decided to return with the gun in hand and shoot and kill this person. And then calls the cops because it's like, you know what's going to happen, you mm-hmm. know what's going to be pinned on you, and so you're just like, eh, it's worth it. Yeah. Ugh. It's a very frustrating case, especially for the reasons I'm about to discuss. Mm -hmm. All right. So what happened Um, on the Netflix original show, Trial by Media episode, quote, talk show murder. Mm -hmm. um, And I didn't mention that in my sources. And the reason I didn't mention that in my sources is I feel like if you're intrigued by this case, by all means, watch it. But I the issue that I take with that episode of that show, and it's something that you and I discussed when we weren't recording, is that it's literally trying to blame mm-hmm. this whole issue, this whole problem and the loss of this man's life on the Jenny Jones show. Right. And there's no like real ownership of responsibility for Jonathan Schmitz. Mm-hmm. And that frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. it's definitely if you've never heard of the case, it's it's informative, but it's very like one-sided and makes you kind of want to feel that way when I'm like, no, that's complete bullshit. Yeah. And I wasn't going to mention it at all, but there's a quote that I really, really, really wanted to use Mm -hmm. that is uh, in line with what you literally just said to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So on that show, prosecutor Donna Pendergast can be quoted as saying... It was a difficult trial, even though, frankly, as a prosecutor, I've never seen a clearer case of first degree premeditated murder. Right. Thank you. She literally said in my whole career, Mm -hmm. I've never seen a clearer case. Wow. All right. So why? Why was it such a difficult case um, if this was textbook, clear cut, planned, willful intent to murder someone? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Trial by media. <laughs> yeah. um, because of a piece of shit 
piece of dog shit is what I actually have written here. <laughs> because of a piece of dog shit legal technique known as gay panic defense. Absolutely. Yeah. And you discussed. Um, we've talked about. Yeah, yeah we've we, talked about you've that You've discussed this recently. All right. So for those who are unfamiliar with gay panic defenses, they are legal techniques commonly used in um, court battles regarding actions committed against members of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, in a gay panic defense, the defendant urges they lost control because of the, vi- the victim's sexual orientation. This homophobic defense, which relies on pre-existing stereotypes of people who identify as LGBTQ+, is permitted in every state in the United States except, pay attention folks, California, Mm -hmm. Colorado, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, and Washington. So if you don't live in any of those states... And there are many, many more. Yeah, there's a lot more. Yeah. Uh, gay panic is, is, is... Still a thing. Is still a thing. The gay panic defense. Wow. And I found this actually a little bit more shocking. All of those states only established laws banning the gay panic defense between the years of 2014 and 2020. That's like the when I said in 2009, when finally crimes against the LGBTQIA community are considered hate crimes. Yeah. But you like, OK, so they're considered hate crimes as of 2009 federally. However, yeah, you still have this. These are still very wow. recent developments in the few states. That's crazy. Yeah. That have adopted laws banning. I'm mind blown. Yeah. Fortunately, prosecution in this case against Jonathan Schmitz was successful in denouncing the gay panic defense, but unfortunately, the defense was successful in arguing that he was not in his right mind at the time of the crime, and um, his attorney argued that the man was bipolar, manic depressive, had been up all night drinking and smoking pot before going after Amador, and therefore he was not guilty of the premeditated First degree murder charge. Right, and the hairstylists that I've known over the years who don't show up for work that are on drugs, they're not in that they're not in that's not their that's not their fault. Yeah. But <laughs> they're not culpable for any no, mistakes they might make. Because drugs happen. Yeah, because what? drugs happened. Yeah. Alright, so in the end. A judge and jury actually agreed with this, and Schmitz was given a second-degree murder charge with a sentence of 25 to 50 years. As a part of a separate... Let's just go ahead. (laughs) I mean, I was going to do it, but you are going to talk. Yeah. All right. So, where was I? As a part of a separate civil suit in 1999, a jury awarded the Amador family $25 million in damages. $5 million was awarded for Amador's suffering before he died of his injuries. $10 million was awarded for his family's loss of companionship. And another $10 million was awarded for the loss of income that Amador would have earned over the remainder of his lifetime. Wow. That verdict uh, and award was later overturned and the family received no settlement. What? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just... What? It's just fucked up all around. Holy shit. And for me, this added a bit of insult to injury, but some would argue... We'll get to that. Then, in 2017, after having served 22 years of his sentence, so this was in 2017, mm-hmm. at the age of 47, Jonathan Schmitz was released from prison, released early due to reports of good behavior. Okay. That's fine. What? You yeah, can't... So good behavior. A murderer... Mm-hmm. Some people would say that he did his time. He... He he's paid not for a, his crime. He's not a threat to society. He's not anymore. a threat to soci- society. He rehabilitated. But I call bullshit because he did time for a crime that he didn't commit. He didn't commit second degree murder. He clearly committed mm-hmm. first degree mm-hmm. premeditated murder. Mm-hmm. And I personally think it's bullshit that That's he only saying, served yeah. twenty two years. Absolutely, because yeah. you thought about it. You collected your thoughts enough. You were. You had your wits about you. The whole, like, drugs and alcohol thing, that's bullshit. It is bullshit. 
And they very clearly, in all the reportings that I read, they very clearly stated that he came home the evening, like in the evening after he had been drinking, and then had the entire night right before he got up the How next morning. How much did you drink and smoke? Because I'm sure you could be a little bit off the next morning, fine. Yeah. But it's not four in the morning. It's not five in the morning. Like yeah. It's regular ass morning time yeah. where you've now woken up. Ugh. It's complete bullshit. Yeah. It's complete bullshit. And again, some people will argue that he was sentenced what he was sentenced by a jury of his peers and he served his time. But in my opinion, if he was going to serve time, he he should have served more. I agree. Yeah. So fuck the gay panic defense. I agree. Even though, (laughs) even though they say that mm, they were able to denounce that. But did you really? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Everybody who paid attention to this while it was happening is still going to keep thinking about that. Exactly. It's not like you're like, okay, well, we're just going to do a completely different jury. Mm-hmm. Although they do say that this um, this was tried twice uh, because there was some issue with, with the first jury. Uh, they do say it was tried twice because he tried, of course, tried to appeal it. Right, uh, sure. He didn't feel like he should spend any time in jail. Actually, his lawyer on the uh, the Netflix show, his lawyer in this very pompous, just disgusting sort of way. He was absolutely disgusting. In this pompous, um, disgusting sort of way was like, I was trying to get uh, the judge and jury to agree to unlawful discharge of a firearm like unlawful accidental discharge of a firearm, which carried a max sentence of like two years probation. You're fucking dead. no, no. And he, oh, that's so true. I forgot yeah. all about that. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, at least a couple months since I watched that. That's a great show, though. The trial by media. It's interesting. The the. Yeah the cases that they have but oh my god like yeah. can you believe someone would really and that has to be someone too that's so homophobic that they really believe that they can get this oh yeah like the way, everyone's gonna agree with me the way that his attorney jonathan schmidt's attorney spoke about steve amador was Appalling. repulsive yeah it was disgusting yeah um so and that's another reason why i hesitated Referencing it on the podcast because I feel like our listeners. You don't want to give them any be, more uh, press, really. Exactly, and I I feel like anybody who is a fan of ours that listens to the show regularly would be equally as upset offended, and yeah. as offended mm-hmm. by the things that uh, this man said and did. Absolutely. Well, I mean, at least we have that like disclaimer out there. Yeah, exactly. So watch at your own risk, folks think we're there i think we're there too the mic drop the mic drop time those are pretty intense stories though those were yeah yeah i have to agree <laughs> i have to agree and frustrating. i i hope that everyone else is uh equally frustrated yes and outraged and outraged and uh tell these stories yes. to people share these stories tell these stories because other people should know the truth mm-hmm. about what's happening and not just the superficial kind of story. The media. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but thank you for uh, telling us that story, Ashley. Thank you for telling us that story. Wayne. Yeah, my, <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you all for joining us again on an episode of the Slate Queens podcast. Yes. We hope you enjoyed it. We do. And if you did, we would hope that you would tell people about it. Mm-hmm. In some fashion. Yes. Repost. <laughs> comment. Like. Yeah. Five stars. Reviews. Yes. Tag, <laughs> share. Do all those good things. Uh, you can find us on pretty much every social media platform, right? Yeah. Essentially. Essentially. Uh, Slay Queens Slay Pod. Queens Pod. We're an easy search. Slay we Queens are. Pod. And uh, we are also streaming on most every uh Podcast, podcast platform yeah, yeah. and I have a link tree now that I've uh, put on uh, yes. in the bio of our Twitter and our Instagram. Awesome. So yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty easy to find us uh, in all the places that we are. All of the outlets. All of the outlets and all of the places. Um, and I just feel so grateful that people care enough to pay attention to yeah, what we're doing. It's been like, it's been awesome lately. Yeah. We're like newly revamped and excited and honestly passionate and eager about a lot of these cases yeah absolutely and we have gotten we have more fans now 
that we ever have. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of cool that Love it. yeah, it's kind of cool that we 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 kind of had a forced hiatus there for a little while because of everything that's going on uh, in the world with like quarantines and restrictions and whatnot. Um, but it's cool that we came back kind of renewed, refreshed with. Um, uh, a much larger yeah. uh, fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, just and makes you more excited. Like so people well who do, yeah, when people respond so well, it just makes you more excited to get more out there. And I just feel like I want to tell great stories, true stories. I want to fact check. I want people to hear what they want to hear and need to hear yeah. versus like, bending someone's ear with nonsense is is kind of what goes on nowadays I feel (laughs) yeah not necessarily on podcast platforms but definitely in a lot of the media that's what I mean yeah that's what podcasts are so great for is I feel like most of us at least the people we know it's you're just trying to shine the actual truth on things because you know you can put anything on the internet or on a podcast and make it true yeah you know, it's it's fact now because we said it, it's true, you know, but we always are welcoming and, and correcting ourselves and mm-hmm. wanting the corrections and things like that. So that's what I think has helped, you know, us, sure. us stay so motivated is the, the interactions. Yeah, I feel somebody said something to me recently because I have a bad habit of comparing my own personal successes to the successes of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure. I was talking about the podcast specifically, and I was talking about how excited I was that we have so many new listeners and we're getting such great feedback. But, um, I was also guilty probably the next day mm-hmm. of being like, man, I'm looking at this other podcast numbers and <laughs> yeah. wow, you know, it makes, uh, what we're doing seem so small. And, uh, someone said to me, I'm pretty sure it's Hunter. Uh, <laughs> he was like, you know what they say or what he had heard or, or whomever it was that he was quoting. He was like, I would rather be nine people's number one favorite thing than like one person's ninth favorite thing. Yeah, that's you know very what I mean? fair. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's definitely like quality over quantity. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just being mushy and yeah and, we are and reflective and <laughs> it our feels right now yeah and sweet. sentimental so thank you everyone yes thank you and we hope that you will go out and slay go out and slay queens just not each other just not each other <laughs> <laughs> i'm going away but i won't come back on a lonesome railroad line But I can't forget that sweet little girl who sleeps in the pines and the pines.